catch out Think your skin can bring you so much pain Now I hear you say You got the best of both ways Won't you come and take a walk in my shoes And tell me if you take my place Under the Uh, welcome to the Shoe Geeks episode uh, from what, maybe back in February. We probably meant to meet up. Um, now it's March, but um, I'm sorry we haven't got like uh, more Shoe Geeks episodes this year in 2022, but it's been really hard to get my two co-hosts together with me at the same time. So joined by Julian, owner of the running company Ballarat and Geelong now. And uh, what else do you own, Julian? Uh, I own a new paddle board. I've yep. got a wetsuit and they're getting lots of use right now. I'd say Tom might agree with this. that We were pretty tough to get hold of to get these shoe geeks going off, but Julian is far and beyond the hardest person to get hold of now, owning another business. How are you going over there, Tom? New house owner? May I say congratulations? Yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah, busy as we all are, but yeah, it's good we could find a time for this. So stuck finally. in Sydney for life. Bad luck. Yeah, well, yeah, it'll be at least ten years. Uh, we're, we're, um, yeah, it's uh, at least ten. Sydney years. life's good. I know. I know you guys just have a bit of an issue with Sydney, probably because um, I don't know, chip on your shoulder or something. But uh, yeah, it's pretty. Life's pretty good here. We just Mate, had a I... little conversation before um, before you got on, actually, about Sydney. Nita Nita loves it. Actually, Nita loves it, especially the. I was really surprised the mask. There's no mask mandate there. Coming from South Australia, it's still present. But there is a mask mandate in the New South Wales airport, but there was no one enforcing it. More than more than two-thirds of people in the airport weren't wearing the mask. So it's Did pretty tough to enforce in? that. I can see you putting a complaint in. <laughs> no, I'm just here to – I can just whinge about it on this platform. That's all I can do. So Just yeah. chew out the air hostess. She got no, nothing to do with it, but just go and just, just yeah. chew her ear off at the counter. Yeah. No, no, no. Actually, to be honest, Tom, I, I, you know, I know why you like pavement now. We stayed in Enfield, which is just down near Olympic Park on the weekend, and it's just pavement. There is no dirt. The best place we found to run on, like I said, was a cemetery. So, um, which is the, yeah, Sydney's a terrible place to run. Sorry, unless you're near Centennial Park, it's just terrible. So, yeah, I mean, it's, mm. it's a big city, right? You can't expect too much, um, too much dirt. Well, yeah, Melbourne so. does it pretty good, Tom. Mm. <laughs> the, we used to have this um this place the bay in Dremoyne, and it was um it was a, se- a 7k loop i still do it the whole thing used to be um like uh that red gravel it was oh it wow was really nice. nice and then over yeah. the years they've just the whole thing's paved the whole thing's um yeah like cycleway and, and footpath now but it used we to see be- that here in adelaide now as well our south park lands were like historically all dirt trails and they still are but you can just see a little bit more bitumen arrive every single year when there's I don't know, like a local commuter complaining that there's a bit of dirt they got to ride their bike on to the city or something like that, and eventually they just put it on the list and pave it over time. So, mm. yeah. But uh, Tom, you're back running. You're back getting some stuff done. Yeah, What's- I um, yeah, I dialed it back a bit this week. I got probably a little bit excited. So my um, I was I was about nine weeks in the boot. Came out a couple of uh, maybe three weeks ago, and um. Yeah, it's yeah, it's okay. Just the foot stiff. The, actually, my plantar fascia has been a little bit sore, uh, and and the whole foot just feeling stiff. So yep. I'm just I've just this week gone back to just cross training, so just elliptical and some mm. gyms and weights and stuff. And maybe next yep. week I'll 
get back to a bit more running, but um, I'm, I'm in no rush. So, as the top of your foot feeling where the Met is, all right? Fine, totally fine. Like, there's no, there's no tenderness over the bone whatsoever. So, yep. I'm pretty confident the bones are healed. It's just, it's actually the soft tissues that are just yep. um, super sensitive at the moment. And that little collateral ligament that evolved, is that sore at all? Big toe sore. Like, the, yeah, 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 like my, just the joint in general is a little bit stiff yep. and a little mm. bit achy. So, I think, yep. yeah. And I, I said to you the other day, it's almost like a, a bunion's forming now. So, it's, <laughs> it's not ideal, but, um, It'll take a bit of time for that joint to get used to functioning, probably in it. Maybe you're going to um, angle change. You're going to move to ultra when you're a bunion fan? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> Zero drop, mate. Good. You know, I can't do that. Yeah, true. Very true. But have, uh, what? what oh, sorry. sorry. After coming out of the boot for so long, did you have like heaps of calf wastage and everything? Just because uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say heaps of calf wastage. I, uh, I would say after the first three weeks it was terrible wastage because i was on crutches for two weeks so i didn't actually wait there for the first two weeks and so like when i yeah it was yeah for sure like as those two weeks progressed i had to keep the boot had to get tighter and tighter and tighter to the point where the velcro was almost like not enough velcro like yeah so um that was depressing but um then i had yeah walking in the boot it kind of rebuilt a little bit just being able to like Mm. wait there again and then i think after five uh, five weeks, I started doing some double leg calf raises um, yep. every second day, and kind of just built up from there. So, yeah, by you, nine, you moved, weeks, you moved into a shoe, week, didn't you? It wasn't too terrible. You moved into a shoe not long after five weeks, didn't you? Or we stay in the boot. Um, I did a bit of a hybrid. Um, probably after about six weeks, I was boot for if I was new, I was going to be doing a bit of walking. I was in the mm-hmm. boot. Otherwise, short walks. I was in. Um, yeah, in, in, I was wearing that, like I was saying, the old Carbon X with an orthotic yep. inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the setup. Have you, have you heard the story? Tom was at a at a, um, a bottle picking up a bottle of wine and uh, Gary walked past and saw this tall guy with size 13 hokers, his coach, and said, I know, <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> Literally caught red-handed with this bottle of, uh, bottle of wine. I was like, oh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, he wasn't. I don't think he was too impressed. Yeah. Uh, that's it. So what, what, I mean, you, you got back into a little bit of running. Were you literally just uh, jogging in hokers or did you try something else when you came back? And um, So I was in the, yeah, the Kiwana. Like I know you've done, yep. you've done a lot in that one. So the mm-hmm. Honker Kiwana um, and the, uh, I got a pair of the Nike Zoom Fly 4, I think they are. Mm. Yeah, the 4s. Um, I, hadn't, I haven't worn the Zoom Fly since I think the 2s. Is that the yep. Flyknit upper? Yeah, it was. It was the bottom heavy one. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't really like the th- these ones feel a lot better than yeah. um, than the twos. Um, so yeah, so using that and the Kiwana predominantly. Um, nice. I did. I did um, start. I did do like two runs in the new Vimero as well. Mm. Uh, of course, the Vimero. You mentioned that. So, what do you think of the Kiwana now? Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, it's. I mean, I haven't done enough in it, so I know you're saying mm. it softens up. So for me, it still feels like quite a firm ride. So it's mm. it's it's pretty firm. It's a lot firmer than what I'm used to. So, but yep. for for where I'm at now, like I don't mind the firmness. I, I did yep. sort of um, do a short jog, like a one k jog in the Invincible on one of these mm. little mini runs, and it felt terrible. It just it. was just way too unstable. So at least the Kiwana, although it's not super soft, it's it's stable. Mm. So it, it for my purposes, it felt pretty good. 
Yeah. And Julian, um, over there in Anglesey, got back to some good running volume and back having a bit of a rest with the same knees flaring up. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, didn't do a lot. I mean, since we talked last, I had two weeks of running. Mm. Yep. But I only wore the same shoes. And then before I had my, like, before my knee flared up, I started running in this one, which is the Saucony Triumph 19. Yeah, nice. Um, I've been a massive Triumph fan for a long time. Since yeah. the Triumph ISO 3, which is one of my all-time favorite shoes, mm. it, uh, it was the first sort of cushioned shoe with a lower drop but, but a decent chunk of cushion that I, yeah. um, that I started running in. Like, and it, it just seemed to be a, just a, a, the perfect shoe for me. I w- went through tons of them. Um, and, yeah, this is the, the, the newest version that they've got out now. They've gone... I found when they went away, they went to this power run for a while and it felt a bit dead to me, um, mm-hmm. a few older versions. But this this new power run PB, no, sorry, mm-hmm. this is power run plus. Um, yep. they've, they've worked out, like I've got enough cushion in this. It's not that heavy either. And uh, yeah, I only got two runs in it. It just felt really smooth underfoot. Is it pretty What's stable? The difference between the plus and the PB, the power run? Now, the PBs, you know? the, the P-back stuff, the, mm. the, the okay, real... Okay, so that's not P-backs. No, it's not. No, this is TPU. So this is like an Adidas Boost type phone, um, but it's a lot lighter than, than that, and it's it's sort of more of... Like, it's obviously a running shoe. Uh, it, it's pretty flexible. Um, yep. So it, it has this cutout you can sort of see just on the oh, medial yeah. side in the arch area. I don't know what that's for, like to be honest, but it it, it makes it quite a lot more flexible through there, um, which isn't something that I'd normally really like in a shoe. Mm. But so far, it did make it feel really quite smooth. Um, so it doesn't still have that um, that slither of power run beneath the sock liner. Uh, yeah, it, been does. Doing, it, does, it does. Yeah, yeah, and that's a nice first feel, isn't it? Mm. Um, that. That sort of soft. I'm assuming that's feel. why they keep it in now because the rest of the midsole is meant to be very similar, isn't it? So I'm assuming yeah, it's just adding it's much different. Yeah. yeah, I've been, um, Mike. I've been trying to source some of that, the sheets of the TPU to, to <laughs> layer my, with my orthotics. <laughs> I'm getting closer. You're just creating a better first feel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That makes sense to me, to be honest. But it is a good first feel. Like I've put that Power Run PB sock liner into other brands of shoes just because it makes it feel a bit better. So. Mm. And it's more resilient, isn't it, the TPU than an EVA? So yeah, that's absolutely. like that's probably one thing about this shoe. A lot of guys come in, do a lot of mileage, chew through mm. shoes. This is really durable. Like yeah, like when say we see people come in that are updating six hundred Ks, a lot of them can go eight hundred plus in this shoe. Yeah, that, that foam yep. is remarkably durable, and the outer sole they use uh, it's like. It's called XT900 or something. Um, yep. But it's really strong outer sole as well. So it's a it's a super workhorse. But it's not like a heavy brick-like shoe. Yep. So with, with all the recent trends and we see shoes like uh, like the Kiwana, the Clifton, mm. Nimbus Light, Invincible, even Vermeero, um, they're not very resilient foams in that they're not very durable. They compress quickly. So yep. it's nice to have something on the market that, if someone comes in and, and durability is a big 
priority for them, then this is a shoe that we can say it will last longer. Are we seeing that sort of same foam in the models below, like the ride and the guide as well, or? Uh, not really. Like, no, no they're, they're still they're still firmer. They're yep. still more. I don't know. Like, I get so oh, like over all the names the brands are calling their foams. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I just I look at the foam as for what it is, and it's and and they're firmer, more like EVA feeling foams, whereas yep. this one feels quite a lot different. This is in the hurricane. The hurricane's got a like a big plastic post on the medial side. I don't like that mm. as much. Um, the Triumph feels like they've gone for a certain type of shoe and they've nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the guide's nice for someone who wants firmness underfoot. It's a stiffer shoe. It's it's like an eight mil drop. It's got a plastic. Um, it's got like a plastic post, so it got is it. It, it is a support shoe. Uh, yep, and it suits that runner that wants something firm underfoot. But this is different. Is it um, easy to retail and sell the uh, the Triumph? Because I mean, you probably put it on the line next to what a Glycerin and um, what a Nimbus and qu- yeah. quite high stack comparatively to those two, isn't it? Well, actually, no, Glycerin's relatively high, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a high yeah. stack. It's just to yeah. me feels a little bit more uh, a little bit more smooth, natural than a Glycerin or a um, than a Nimbus. Now it's so this is I compare this to the ten eighty. So the yep. Triumph used to be a real 1080 um, co- competitor, yeah, and and it's still like geometry wise, it's less shoe than what the 1080 is now. The new version, mm. we'll talk about that in in the future, yep. but um, it's it's more oh, I call it athletic, agile, slim underfoot, mm. whereas the 1080 has a much broader footprint, got it, um, and is a more solid feeling shoe. So yeah, we 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 do really well with this. It's sort of in between. I, I call it like when I have a customer who's halfway in between wanting a safe shoe like a Brooks Ghost or mm. or a uh, or a Glycerin maybe um, like a Glycerin's not that poppy or soft. Uh, I, I, and then they've, they've also got shoes out like Nimbus Light or Invincible, yep. um, or even 1080. Like to me, this feels yeah. it sort of sits when, in the middle somewhere. When does the Glycerin 20 come out with a new foam? Yeah, well, it's supposed to be out very shortly, but because of the delays, like we're seeing big, oh, still big delays, um, it's looking like it's going to be mid-year. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that'll be that. That'll be good because it will really polarize the ghost and the glycerin. Yeah, that, and that needs to be done because it's it's currently too similar, isn't it? And uh, you know, the ghost is such a flagship shoe in terms of just being, I guess, one of the least complained about shoes. You'd say, Julian, mm-hmm. the ghost, oh, and that's why it sells yeah. well, right? So. Um, whereas yeah. glycerin, hopefully, this new foam brings a bit more fun. Yeah, it will be, and it will. It will still like the glycerin's been stable for a long time, mm. um, even though it is a bit more cushioned. So it'll be a very different customer, I think, to yeah. what the current glycerin is. Um, we'll like we've only seen it once. That was now probably twelve months ago. Oh, I can't remember when that. No, it was probably. Six months ago, I saw it once, and then Got it. haven't seen it again. So yeah. uh, it's hard; you kind of forget what it's like a little. Going, going back to the durability, based off the Aurora, it hopefully as well will be quite a durable update. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Like, that's something you could probably tell me because you. Well, the Aurora, I, I was at seven hundred k's before I lost one of the shoes. I left them at the track, I reckon, and uh, the shoe felt the same. Really? Um, yeah. It yeah, was, it, it was, was really durable. Yeah. Right. 
that's mm. good. Good to know. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so that's all. Uh, that's all from me. <laughs> well, I've just got a quick question, Julian, because we sort of touched on this way back when your knee popped up. You had a few knee issues historically as well. Did you came back in? You're wearing, you know, traditionally a few more fun high stack shoes. Did you? Did you ever try anything different, like try and put a bit less shoe beneath your foot when you were running to maybe offload your knee at any times or any runs? Yeah, I wore the Aurora, funnily enough. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's still Aurora, the Aurora is still a fair bit of shoe. <laughs> it is. But to me, <laughs> yeah, the is. flexibility, I, I felt like I was landing on my, I felt like it changed my gait more than other shoes did. And that's yep. the main. That's like the main factor, isn't it? It's trying to hit so the much. forefoot a bit more and try and yeah. you know not yeah sit back on the it heel as much. Yeah. Mm, and and even and to a degree, Triumph being eight mil and more flexible, like yep. it, and and when I run in the shoe, I can put a four mil drop shoe on like a Bondi and yep. feel like it's too forgiving, and it's I, I slow my cadence down and I I run Got poorly it. in it. Um, yep. So for me, it's more about how the shoe feels, but the endorphin shift. I went back to that a bit because that's four mil offset and I felt like it, it was really natural for me. Like when I was running, nothing was interfering with my natural yeah. gait. So I went back yep. to that shoe. I didn't notice much difference, although I walked. So I had the Nimbus 24 on and I went for a walk and and I felt like immediately my knee was, was sort of sorer than what I was mm-hmm. when I was walking barefoot. And yep. that shoe has bit like a, a high stack, very soft, mm. very cushioned, um, high heel offset. And I thought, okay, maybe I should be walking in like something a bit firmer, a bit more minimal. Um, yeah. So, I mean, remember you... Vivo Barefoots, man. Vivo Barefoots, yeah. Well, here we go. Remember when you blamed us when you had knee pain a couple of years ago? We, Me and Tommy told you to get into a pair of streaks for a couple of your workouts and you plant a flashier flared and you just, you know, whinged that that was our fault. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You guys think of shoes fix everything. Yeah, well, you know, you're trying to get a bit more plantar fascia loading, to be honest. So you can get rid of your knee load just a touch, aren't you? Just for an I interim period. I, what did I wear that day? I wore the, um, oh, I wore like the New Balance Prism, you told me, because I had OP and you said, oh, wear less shoe. And so I, wore, I, don't, I don't think like, the Prism's less shoe, is it? it? Well, I wore some shoe. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. But then I got bad plantar issues. And I'm like, why am I, what? It's shoes aren't the shoe. The shoe's not getting rid of my bloody broken hip. <laughs> anyway, well, there's an interesting note that when you can you can put a shoe on that you can feel how it changes your gait quite well. Mm. I mean, no, that's an experienced runner. Like you know, we normally have to prescribe shoes to try and offload knees that are quite minimal or less less pitch to them. But, you know, there are shoes that may have a bit more pitch, like you said, the Triumph, but just the geometry of the shoe changes your gait enough and you can just sort of, you can perceive that change, whereas most people who aren't experienced probably can't quite, or maybe they're not even influenced by the shoe that much because their gait's pretty, you know, well, they can't separate a shoe feel. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah. We, people I don't, with knee stuff, what are you going to say? Oh, just in store, it's for me getting away from like, getting away from the actual specs and the, the mm. names of foams and all this and just bringing it back to a bit more feel-based, like, decision-making. Um, that, like, to me, it's still intuition that's the best d- determiner in a shoe. In and people, shoe people, people probably don't know. You've gone back into shop more so selling the mm. shoe as well. And uh, do you think that's a bit because of, you know, trying to teach your staff to be a bit more intuitive and, and uh, as opposed to just a particular paradigm of selling a shoe and... 
Well, yeah, it just comes down like to me, experience. So over the course of my time doing what I do, I might have put 10,000 shoes on different people and, mm. and I've seen different, I might have seen sort of 5,000 different feet and, and how those feet have gone in different shoes and the feedback I'm hearing. It, it, like it's pure just exposure to different shoes and, and different mm-hmm. problems. So it's not like uh, it's not like a knowledge thing because of because I'm I don't know, but it, it's more experience based, right? Stuff. So I, and, I can be, be in and hear things and, and go, oh, I've heard that before. Yep. Like this is what I'm yep. going to try. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah. that's interesting, isn't it? So you you know you're searching what the customer wants, the attribute, and you're trying to you, the shoe wall's so big now. You, you need to know how these shoes react. Like if you were selling shoes in the 1970s, you're looking at, you know, low stack, yeah, yeah. EVA is the same firmness. That, you know, people are picking by brand and by width of the shoe, whereas now you're picking by feel, noise, perception, feedback. You're solving a puzzle and it's because there's no paradigm. A person that's more experienced probably is in the best position to actually sell a shoe. And mm. you, you're, you're having a customer make a decision on what, philosophy they want to follow with their shoe choice so that's the other bit you almost have to educate them on the different philosophies that they have at their disposal to select Mm. a shoe um and then so for instance it's like do you want to do you want to try a more innovative um concept in shoes like when they come Mm. in they might have they might have plantar fascia fasciitis mm. and 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 they we go okay well here's a model that might help this is maximalism mm. this mm. is ro- rocker stiffness mm. but traditionally speaking we've tried traditional shoes where we have a higher pitch a firmer mm. foam um you pronate more so maybe like in the past we've thought that the like having a higher degree of pronation might exacerbate the issue so let's look at a support shoe so and that the tricky bit is sort of reading the customer and yeah. and s- seeing which philosophy like will apply, but also at the same time giving them an option to decide themselves. And mm. yeah, it's 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 hard training staff like the last month a lot more difficult because there are no categories that shoes sit into, and mm. and and one shoe might might flow across three or four categories. Um, so it's not like look at a list compare the shoes that are in the same list it's it's a lot different for that what do you reckon tommy get this guy up into a podiatry conference put him on oh, the stage and just can tell we him make it happen go your yeah. hardest <laughs> yeah we make got to make it happen we do um, we do need to make this happen so no it's good julian that's that's what people sort of need to hear and um as opposed to traditionally you know like you said pronation-based models or impact models, you know, you need to solve the puzzle with what the patient sort of is going to head towards anyway, don't you? Just try and, you know, use what they think they need and try and get them in. They need to have buy-in, don't they? You need to... Well, it's got to be... Know. It comes down to trust, yeah. So mm-hmm. they, like, I can have someone memorise the the things I've told them, but if they go out there and they're not, like, they don't have a sense of confidence about them, then the customer won't be confident. And, mm-hmm. like, they might bring the perfect shoe out, but... But the customer might not be confident in that, and then you know that they'll come back in two days and going, "I've noticed this slight knee niggle, and mm. I think it's the shoes." And, and it, like, it, it's not the shoes, but in their head, like they weren't confident they were getting the right shoe. So of course, yeah. the shoe will, will pop the blame. Cool, very good. Uh, I've probably been doing the most running out of you guys, which is yeah, <laughs> just really, really crazy. sad for you guys. <laughs> um, but the shoe We're I've happy for you. We're happy no, for it's you. It's good. 
this is the shoe I've definitely worn the most. And it's the Kiwana. Uh, we talked about it last time, but now it's about maybe 350, maybe 400 Ks in. Um, and granted, you know, it is firm. It still is firmer, 400 Ks in, um, compared to any other Hoka that I have worn in the, ever. And uh, it, it softened up a little bit after maybe 80 or 90 Ks, which must be harder to sell at a retail point. You know, walking into a shop and putting on a firmer shoe now, I mean, I can imagine if you put a Clifton on one foot and a Kiwana on the other, nine out of 10, maybe eight out of 10 consumers will probably pick the Clifton, I'd say, just on first feel. Um, mm. This is definitely a snappy issue. I run a bit quicker in it. It is heavier. The midsole is firmer. Um, 300 Ks on. I, I, whether I've just changed what I'm searching for in a shoe, I prefer the firmness. I think the Clifton, when I got to 300 Ks, felt like it was done. Um, especially in the forefoot for me, like the midsole just didn't return. It felt like it was pretty hollow. And I reckon the last Clifton I might've had might've been back in the fourth or fifth model. You definitely got more out of the Clifton back then than you do now. Um, so while it's a fun shoe, the Clifton, I'm preferring the Kiwana, um, but it isn't for everyone. So I've still whacked a traditional heel pitch in the shoe just purely on the basis it's, it has this uh, rear foot rocker, which uh, Tom put on the cheese platter last time. And um, but yeah, it probably has good attributes to offload an anterior knee and shin, as he said. But I put a heel pitch in just to try and deload my Achilles a bit. So, so one thing I found, I got a bit of an, an osteo fight, like a bit of a lip on the front of my ankle. So when I put a really low pitch shoe on and climb some hills in my backyard, it's mainly hills now. I do get a bit of a pinch at the front of the ankle, and this shoe probably did maybe highlight that a little bit. So, so I transitioned into a slightly higher pitch shoe and. Um, I actually wore the Nimbus 24. So you guys have that in stock at the moment. And I got maybe 30 or 40 Ks into it. And um, it was, it's the softest iteration of the Nimbus. It has to be. Um, and the forefoot, I was bottoming out substantially. I could feel the outsole segmentation so much more because the midsole is so, well, it's not low stack. It's, you know, it's pretty high stack actually. It's just, it's just compresses so quickly. And um, one of my juniors came out to training and, uh, he uh, forgot his shoes. He's a size 10. So I, I lent it to him for the warm up because I had the Nimbus there. And I happily said to him after, I said, you can, you can keep this shoe. So, um, so it's, it's, I don't know, like, I don't know who it's going to work for Julian. You might have a bit more of an outline. Like I've seen a lot of Nimbus on the street already since it's been released, you know, it's marketed pretty well. Um, maybe it just, you know, if you hit the heel a bit more, it's, it is very, very soft. And mm. since then I've got the Cumulus and Tom, you've got the Cumulus as well. Uh, and they put like a slightly um, lower durometer foam on the top. I actually don't have it in front of me. I'm not sure if you got it near you, Tom. The cumulus? No, nah. So they put a softer durometer foam, like, you know, closer to the sock liner, right? But beneath that, the second layer is actually uh, a denser foam. So it, it feels soft when you put it on your foot, but it does feel a bit denser. It doesn't feel like it's bottoming out when I'm going for a run in it. So I prefer the cumulus, maybe because I'm just impacting a bit higher than the Nimbus. So... That's interesting, I think, and it's it, you know there's a small shank that lives in the medial aspect of the nimbus as well, but it, you know you don't really notice that either. So um, the surface area is probably not quite wide enough to make it stable either. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting shoe compared to what it historically was. And someone I, someone came in yesterday with her. Um, she had a new pair of the twenty fours, and she had yeah. her old pair, which were the twenty ones. Yeah, got very it. different. Yeah, so I, I saw them both yesterday. Yeah. But yeah, wow, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's changed substantially. I mean, it's always probably been relatively soft in the heel. I'd say the Nimbus. It's always been like that. Even models that go back close to a decade, but the forefoot is just really soft. The foam they use there is um, is very different. So whether I'm not enjoying the soft shoe, I sort of 
preferred the Cumulus over the Nimbus and um, and the only other shoe that I've worn recently in the past week since I've arrived, I shout out to Luke Bell from on. Now, I'm not sure Julian's going to like this too much, but this is the Cloud Stratus. Um, this is an on shoe. Um, anyone who's listened to the uh, Coffee Club podcast know that these have become a bit more popular by um, a few the group over in Colorado, um, Boulder. And these are firm. So I'm going to be completely honest. These are a firm, but they're a relatively stable shoe. Um, I wore an on shoe just in the shop maybe two years ago when they first came out. might have been like the Cloud Flow, I reckon. Um, so like a less stack shoe. And the segmentation of the shoe was really dramatic. Like it was the segments were really, really well defined and I could feel them individually. And that was that was tough to wear. Like I didn't enjoy that at all. So I know, I think the concept of the on shoe historically, like the, you know, the developer was looking at trying to treat his own knee pain by impact loads. And they, they use like, um, you know, they cut a hose up into um to a little You've segment. Done some research. No, we actually had we had the rep we had the rep come and speak to me and Clarky the other week. Lucy, oh, I haven't heard about this. Yeah, so um, so maybe that's why we're here talking them up a little bit. There, she was she was so good at the job. She sold she sold the shoe concept to me. But um, but the Stratus is different to the other ones. In fact, that you don't feel the segmentations. You know, like any other shoe, it's not that deep. It's only three or four mils deep. Um, the, the, the EVA midsole is still firm. These guys, uh, the little pods are meant to try and shear a bit when you hit the ground to try and deload shearing loads. Uh, so I think that's a bit of a stretch uh, to some extent. What does shearing loads mean? So, so for example, you hit the ground and rather than sort of um, it just compressing, it, it can translate a little bit side to side. So it oh. should be able to reduce a bit of shear. Um, you don't, you don't, you remember the Adidas shoes that used to have that segmented heel and the lateral aspect, and it was for that same reason to reduce the shearing force. Exactly what Clarky brought up. Remember the Supernova that came out with that shearing yes. load, and pod, the the rear foot pod. Would just, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. only time I've sort of thought of a shoe trying to reduce shear by using this sort of pod that could translate in different planes. Yeah. yeah, but this is the concept, and obviously they're a Swiss brand, and you know, Mister Federer put in a lot of cash investment through there, and uh, but it's a very neutral, stable, neutral shoe. Like I find this to be stable. The surface area is quite wide here. It's not as wide in the midfoot, so it wouldn't be as stable for a rear foot striker. But because the foam is firm, um, it, it is relatively stable. So once again, I guess the whole idea of this shoe is to, um, you know, if you like a firmer shoe, <laughs> you probably will enjoy this and. It's pretty rare. I don't think. I mean, I've got the Kawana going and the Stratus going, but and the Mizuno Wave Sky going at the moment as my three major rotation. They're all pretty firm, and every now and then I'll put a Clifton or a Nova Blast on at the moment. Um, so, or occasionally get really excited and wear a Rebel and post about it on your Strava. Yeah, I do. Yeah, just once again, that's that that Rebel is one of those shoes when you pull it out once every two months, you enjoy it. But if you wear it in back to back days, the shoe is. I reckon you, you might you might like the Vimero for the fact that it's actually a, this will be the softest in your rotation, but it's mm. it's got a it's still got the Zoom Air pod in the forefoot, so you maybe you won't bottom it out because it's got the uh, the air unit. It's Tom when the Vimero had the twelfth and the thirteenth version. Still to date with that Lunar on midsole, it's the best volume shoe that I've worn. Full stop, uh, bar none. Um, and I'll say that over and over and over. And I think I think when we had Jack Rayner on here, he said the same thing. That was his favorite yeah. night. Then when it's the 14, the disappointment of the 14 and even the 15, I just haven't gone back to them yet. And, you know, part of the marketing for the Vimeo 16 and 17 when it comes out should have been, 
this is not the 14 anymore. <laughs> this is, you know, that yeah. should be half the marketing because it did ruin that line of shoe substantially. And, and I'm sure they know that. I'm sure they've been given that feedback over and over and over. Um, but, uh, and I know we're probably, we're talking about this one um, next month um, as well, but this is what I'm going to be trying to wear in the next month or so. It's going to be the new 880. You'll see it around the stock once again. It's got a bit of a bum, Julian. It looks nice. Like it's attractive. It's got a bit more. It needed a little bit more uh, footprint back there. Did, yeah. Just, yeah. But it's got a bit of a bum. People like bums. So that's, uh, mm. that's good. And, I mean, it looks nice. And yeah, so I'm looking, I mean, it's in its, You've got yours, Tom, as well. You, you'll probably try and do something. No, I haven't got, haven't got mine yet. Oh, well, ouch. <laughs> and now you're not running enough. That's true. <laughs> Maybe. And uh, and in a couple of weeks' time, Julian, if my body holds up and I don't retire between now and then, I'm going to wear this in the herb. Are you gonna, what are you going to oh, yeah. wear in the herb? Me? I'll be on yeah. the sidelines. I'll be, I'll be wearing a pair of cool-looking Nike peg trails or something. I, I just got in Sydney on the weekend watching the uh, the national champs, like mainly the distance events as well. It's uh, pretty much a victory or a dragon now. That's 95% of the field, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what else? Like mm. to compete, you have um, like the New Balance shoe is not out yet. And there are some hawker shoes, but they're over $300 yep. for the, their spike. And I don't think they're too much more magic than what you like. Or, well, they're yep. not more magic than those. Nah. Um, yep. Added us, they didn't bring them in the country. Um, yeah. And yeah, so <laughs> but, and, that's, I mean, you're right. There's an opportunity. Like, there's it's a Nike commercial when you go to those championships. It's um, there's got to be an opportunity. I mean, obviously the market's not big enough globally uh, to really focus on it by any means. But surely some other company can pop in, drop a large line of super spikes, high high stack foam spikes within the limit, and have some success with it. Surely. Oh, I mean, I was yeah. so when we had that when we were dealing with Adidas. So I remember. Mm. I, I I looked at the the available options that could come mm. in the country and I picked out the spike and I yep. said, oh, this one, you need this in the country. And is that the, 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 the ambition or? Is, is it the Avanti? The, oh, the Avanti. The, um, yeah. And then yep. um, the feedback was we already have too many running shoes in our line. This is <laughs> like, I, we can't add another. And I said, get rid of another one then and bring this in. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's not happening. Thought so, you guys don't get it. You're not runners. Like yeah. you, you, you're not feeling the the community. Um, Their running you know, line here is tiny anyway. The amount mm. of models they've got here. It's not like they've got many. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's like probably a reflection of of, mm. of how in tune they are. I reckon with the the running community. So just so from, get this. Lana Lana bought a pair of um, supernovas the other day. You know how Lana's yeah. an Adidas girl. Yep. Um, she went for one run in them and she just came back saying, uh, like, she, she actually said she did not enjoy the run. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's just completely, uh, um, did she say tra- like, what, transition what, to wanting and, and enjoying a lot of foam? So the Boston is what she's done, like, all her mileage in since she got it, yep. um, December last year. Mm. And, um, yeah, going to t- traditional, um, shoe, she's not happy. Wow. What does Gary <laughs> think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no we haven't i haven't brought it up with gary uh you like that nah. well i mean yeah, it is interesting we're just chatting the other day about you know, one of the reasons we get shoes is just for the enjoyment factor make the experience of running more enjoyable and she came back yeah. and she literally said i did not enjoy that run 
Yep. Well, mm. mate, this is this is a big thing now. Like I was running the national park and I saw a guy and he he's he would have been 115, 20 kilos. He had uh, you know, Salomon backpack with the you know the little tube around, he can sort of just get access to water. And he was jogging in a pair of uh vapor flies, you know, the um uh the the color ones. And and he <laughs> had all the gear. And I had to stop him. I said, oh, how how you find the shoes? He goes, mate, I wouldn't be running without these shoes. They're so much fun. And like, mm. I mean, the cost of a $300 shoe versus the cost of um, a triple bypass, this guy's doing the right thing. So um, so if a shoe can get someone out, who cares what it is? Like at the end of the day, you're getting someone running who's not running often. There is merit in that. And I don't know if there's a population for that, but people probably do need to start talking about how some of these high stack shoes are making fun like making running feel very different to what they were experienced a decade or so ago. And uh, there's a lot to say in that. Yeah. Next day, shin pain, stressy, no running for six months, hates the shoe. Nah, no way. You don't get shin pain from vapor <laughs> right? Especially when you're running with like a Salomon backpack. And Wait, like, you just, are you kidding? Uh, you don't get you don't get shin pain from that shoe. No way, no way. You get shin pain from running too much, right? Now, if this guy runs too much, you know that's another problem. I just got to get that sorted out. But it's not the shoe's fault. But the tip post under 115 kilos on a platform that's about three centimeters wide, out in the bush with obviously pretty shuffled stride. You're saying that 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 tip post isn't going to get loaded to the shit house. Maybe his carbs are really strong, Julian. Maybe they yeah. can handle it. Maybe he was a, maybe he's an Olympic calf lifter, mate. Maybe he's fine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe he'll that come, shoe will be in the bin. Me in me ten days. Ten days anyway. that back platform will be cooked. No, no, no. He'll come back to you and he'll be like, I need a more stable shoe and you'll sell him the Alpha Fly. Alpha Fly, baby. Yeah, I think the <laughs> Alpha Fly is the one for you. Uh, <laughs> all right. got to listen to question then. All right. Fire away. Listen, the question goes to the podiatrist on the show. So it comes in from Simon. Now, Simon asks, I went to the podiatrist the other day. He recommended that I, I get orthotics. Um, the orthotics cost $500. How do I know when a podiatrist is selling me something to make money versus, he- versus whether the device will actually benefit me? I'm going to go to Tom first, just because I know Nita loves this stuff. <laughs> Make him wait. Make him build his. <laughs> You're giving him too much time to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll go. Um, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I guess it's inherent with, with a lot of professions and um, it's part of the, the job that I don't like in, in terms of I don't like the sense that... Um, it is a product we sell, I guess, and um, the that thought process can be one that I'm sure a lot of people think about. So I think it, it probably comes down to your trust in the practitioner, um, if they've been recommended, um, and and just your your um, your feel about yeah if 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 what they've said around why you need it. So it needs it needs to be a, a, a very plausible rationale for using it. And um, explained well, and explained to the point where you understand the rationale. And it's essentially it's an option that you should be provided, not a rigid treatment pathway. Mm-hmm. If you're feel if you're feeling like you were kind of rushed into it, um, and you weren't really given the time to 
consider it as an option, which it is. It's not very rarely it should be like you need an orthotic, you're not going to get better without it. It's it's often it's more about this may help. These are the pros and cons. These are the costs. Um, and then, you know, the, the rationale around it and then making up, mm. letting them make up the, their mind. Um, so, yeah, I think it comes down to trusting the practitioner. And, mm-hmm. and if, if they've explained things well, I think you should, you should be um, hopefully happy that it's, it's not about money. It's about um, giving you the best possible treatment for your, the, what you're coming in with. I, I think that you've answered that perfectly. I think the patient needs to understand the the reasoning or the justification to it. And most times you're putting in orthosis in, let's just say this person listening to the show is a runner because they probably are. Um, there's usually a purpose to either reduce pain um, and then enhance that person to handle more running basically. And But they should have been given usually alternative options. There's normally like a bit of a hierarchical approach. You know, there might be like step one, we'll try this. You know, it might be like a, a pain management strategy that's like a lower cost initially. And if we have success with that, you might, you might be able to move in that direction. It could be something as simple as a shoe prescription first that you're trying to achieve the management plan first. And you might lay out all these options to the patient. And, um, and if they have a clear understanding of what you're trying to achieve with it and the orthosis is part of that plan, or could potentially be part of that plan. It's really up to, I guess, in this case, the consumer to decide whether they want to head down that pathway. But if they don't have a clear understanding of what the device is built for, and you know, if they don't understand the justification to it, I think that's a bit of a red flag. So I think that's sort of an example. Like if you walk out saying, just wait, I'm going down this line, but I'm not 100% sure why. I don't know what you're like, Tom, but every time I get a patient in that has a pair of orthosis, maybe from some five to 10 years ago, for example, I always ask, you know, what do you, do you remember what they were prescribed for? Always, always ask that always. question. And I would yeah. say not, not eight out of 10, nine out of 10 people would say, oh, I can't, yeah, flat feet or I can't quite remember it. You know, you know, I'm not quite sure now whether, yeah. yeah so usually that person probably doesn't need them at that point in time because whatever happened has resolved, if that makes sense. But then they start to associate maybe their issues might return without the device. And this is where things, you know, aren't clear. Like there is no evidence suggests if you take that tool out, go back into normal activity, you actually get the problem again. So um, so usually it's just a temporary modification. And we do that with shoes. You know, you do that with shoes, Julian. You know, Mm -hmm. we've already talked about that. We've talked about like shifting load with a knee, you know, changing a shoe prescription, like. And orthosis arguably is just a customized tool or an, or a non-customized tool. Sometimes the process is if you're going to get a $500 customization for a plantar heel pain, for example, we do look at some of the literature and suggest that sometimes a prefab device might be a good starting point and be as efficacious in treating heel pain. So, uh, you know, if those options are all laid out to you and the consumer picks a, picks one of those pathways, well, I think that's probably you know, that's when you know you, you're including the patient or the consumer into the decision-making process, which surely means they decide, they, they understand why they're going through it. But if you don't get given an option or they don't understand the process, I think that's a red flag. It is well explained, I think. Trust is, is the big thing here and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the time, those uh, more well-known practitioners um, well, from what I've seen, they, they get recommended a lot, but that's because they're bigger names and mm. they're, they're, they're quite successful. Well, I won't say successful, but like you've both seen examples of, of sort of 
uh, more well-known practitioners making a real business off selling orthotics when they weren't needed. Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's extremely yeah. frustrating. And I mean, mm. we, we had an example a couple of weeks ago where someone came in with like, you know, pain for five to six days who was suggested to go down the line of orthosis from day one. And, you know, um, she got a second opinion. She popped in the clinic and it was like two weeks after she couldn't get in to see me straight away, but her problem was gone. So, um, <laughs> so she didn't require them as at all because the problem was gone after an extra two weeks. So, um, yeah. And so in that case, it wasn't required, was it? So, um, so yeah, rushing into a process, if you've had pain for a short period of time, it's probably not going to be the pathway. It's different, maybe a different story. If you've had pain for, you know, ongoing for months and years, for example, sometimes the intervention becomes a bit more, um, you know, yeah. a, bit, a bit more extreme and yeah, but yeah. It, it, once again, it's still individual and it does rely on trust and it also relies on maybe the, the patient being involved in the process. I think most yeah. most people um, listening, if you're going to see a podiatrist and, and they're recommending a custom orthotic, if they haven't already dis, rec, like discussed the, the pros and cons of a prefabricated mm. versus a custom, you should probably ask. You should ask... Mm. Oh, mm. what about a, a, a prefabricated or an off-the-shelf orthotic? Would that would that be of any help instead of going to the full custom? Because, um, yeah. like like Mike alluded to, from an evidence-based standpoint, for for many conditions, a um, a prefabricated has been shown to be as effective as a custom. So, mm. um, it, I mean, it's it, definitely worth like asking if it's not brought up. Um, but I would mm. say most good practitioners will, will lay out the options, mm. including, a, you know, the pros and cons of a pre-made versus a custom. There are obviously some people where I'd be suggesting a custom might be more beneficial for yep. a particular reason, but um, it, it doesn't mean that a pre-made one will be ineffective. It just may not be quite as effective for that person, but um, they need to be, usually be given the options and, and the costs mm. and make up your, your, your mind. And it, it probably a more specific example to that is like um, in the past three or four years, because you've had such a good option of having stiff rocker sold shoes. Now we've been able to like, you know, not prescribe um, orthosis for like midfoot arthritis and big toe arthritis, these things that are relatively chronic and seen shoes, shoe attributes, being able to rejuvenate running careers. And now we're sort of starting to see those shoes disappear a little bit again. Like, well, not that the shoes still exist, but they're becoming the attributes changing, you know, it's, it's softer, it's more mm-hmm. compliant. And, you know, we, we see, you know, papers have discussed the use of orthosis to reduce pain and midfoot arthritis and big toe arthritis. And there is there is data suggesting it can be efficacious. There's also data suggesting it's not, you know, it's got an individual response. But shoe, shoe retailers were making us look good for a really good period of time because the shoe itself had the attribute. It was the podiatrist to know that. So if you're, a, you know, a patient asking if there's, you know, not just a prefab option, but maybe asking if there's a shoe attribute that I could start with as well, and, um, you know, I'd hate to see, you know, going down the line of building, you know, more orthosis for midfoot and big toe away because shoes start to become too soft and, you know, smushy again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think, you know, even retail, so even um, footwear companies listening to this podcast should realise there there's a market for patients like that. And it may not be a big enough market to really have too many shoes in the area, but it's probably a big enough market now to realise that, we have enough evidence suggesting those shoes might be, you know, getting people back into activity as well. So I, I hope that market stays strong as well. And patients being, un, being understanding that there are options just purely built on shoes that might be able to treat the problem as well. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, maybe some consumers go in there assuming they need to have it 
And then podiatrist gets very used to just giving them out because the expectations there that falls on. You have someone who's a bit more educated go in there and say, oh, actually, I, I want a prefab for my heel pain. You sh- the podiatrist should be aware of that and realize that you should be able to educate the patient and give them an alternative option. So I hope that answers Simon's question. It does. It does. Mm. Definitely. Like that was a good, a good answer. Um, and that's a good way to finish up today, I reckon. Mm. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. So what do you guys got planned for the next next few weeks? Not much. You're not going to stall, are you now, Julian? I'm going to work on Easter Monday. It's a it's a public yeah. holiday. It's uh, too expensive to have too many staff. So, I'll, mm. yeah, I can't get there. I can't, I can't go see you. But if you want to come through Geelong, I'll see you. How's the new shop going? It's busy. It's bigger. Yeah, that's good. There's more space. We have probably we can do more have more SKUs, we can do more fittings at once. Um, it's a little more relaxed. They've got more memorabilia, like it's we got more apparel. So it's, I'm loving that that Vaporfly uh, display. Yeah. It's, it's What's the commute cool. like? Is the commute much closer or? Yeah, way closer. So it's 40 minutes, 35 on a good day, which is different mm-hmm. to, to 95. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm like, I've, I've never really left the Geelong running community. Like even I used to come down and run with the group when I was in Ballarat a lot and and yep. stay in touch there. So it still feels like I know everybody. Same bold faces. Uh, a lot of new people to Geelong. It's a really growing mm. area. So it's a bigger fit. Actually, one of the differences in Ballarat, it's a lot like the, the customers, it was very much a more small town vibe. So a customer would come in and, and you would get a real personal interaction um, mm. In Geelong, we have a, f- a lot more like transient sort of customers who come in who aren't interested in in chatting and just want to look at the shoes on the wall. Um, yeah. So that that's different. That's a little bit that's harder for me to get my head around because because mm-hmm. um, I want to talk to everyone who comes in and not everyone wants to talk. Back. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and even like just because Ballarat had such a great reputation for like the staff and everything um we're, we're working on bringing that into the geelong store where like there's just full trust involved in the staff so um like they can just hand the keys over to their shoes and go you guys like you guys go to work on my on, on my on my fitting um so nice. we're breaking down a few things that have sort of yeah changing the culture that's good and tom how's working with footy boots and the swans uh, yeah, that's good. <clears throat> it's a it's a steep learning curve. I went to my first um, AFL game. I yeah, watched I the opener that. with the Giants. Saw that on Instagram. Yeah, got up and about. <laughs> yeah. You didn't get yeah. up for Buddy. You didn't get. You didn't go to Buddy's one thousand goal or what? No, I missed it. No, mm. yeah, that was a, that was a shame. That was a spreader event, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Sydney. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good. I'm getting used to playing with boots a bit more and that's and, fun. Um, learning about the game, it's good. Yeah, brilliant. All right, guys. That was you, fun. Mate? Uh, nothing, nothing. Just work. Clarkie's uh, going to be leaving me for about, you know, maybe two months or so to go overseas and just the world champs and com games. So I'll be pushing a few more hours out at work more than likely. But uh, otherwise, the girls are good. They're actually sick today, actually. They're home. And you know what sickness is like in 2022. They can't even leave the house until they get their, you know, confirmation that they haven't got yeah, COVID. They can in so. Sydney, mate. They can in Sydney. Yeah, they can in Sydney. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. All right, guys. You guys have a good week, all right? All right. See you later. See you later.
Feels amazing.